0: I do have two sermons left that I want to come back to on our sermon series that we were doing on Koenig, uh, on fellowship. And they're, they're vital. It's things that the church devoted themselves to. And we, we talked about the apostles' doctrine is vital, that we, d- we devote ourselves to this. It's not something that they said, maybe we'll do this. They, as they gathered in homes, as they gathered in church buildings, as they gathered in the temple courts, they said, uh, we will devote ourselves to the apostles' doctrine. And we will devote ourselves to fellowship. And we will devote ourselves, and that's where we stopped, but we will come back to, we will devote ourselves to breaking a bread. And it's going to kind of surprise you what what that concept, breaking a bread, what that really is. And it has to do with covenant. We've talked a ton about covenant this year, and you're going to find out this book is filled with covenant and you're gonna find out that the breaking of bread has to do, it's connected with several things. And we're gonna use this marriage ceremony to talk. You're never gonna hopefully see marriage again. And you're gonna realize a lot of the things we do in marriage ceremonies and afterwards in receptions, we've lost a lot of the understanding about what why we do those things. And most of them are biblical and they have to do with covenant. And you're gonna see that when we come together, we're gonna devote ourselves. To the breaking of bread together. And then we're gonna break, then the last one is prayer. And that's something I failed to mention that tomorrow night, if you're in the area or you're available, if you can't make it physically to the church, do it at home. We're gonna pray from seven o'clock till eight o'clock. The church will be open. Basically, gonna have some music playing. And we are going to come in and we're going to have an hour of prayer. And if you pray loud, you pray loud. If you're that sheep that blares out to God, you pray and lift your hands up to Jesus. If you pray quiet, then you come in and you just bow your head. And we're going to have a time of praying. We're going to have a time of, uh, if, if you run out of things to pray within an hour, then read the Bible. And we're just going to come in here and we're going to ask God to fill us with a boldness. Something that I'm going to preach about in that sermon coming up on prayer is there was two kind of shakings going on in the book of acts they were shaken by the world and a lot of you are shaken by the world a lot of us are shaken by the world when persecution came they were shaken by the world and what was going on they were saying don't speak in this name again don't do this do this don't do that they began to oppress them and they began to be shaken by the world and we're being shaken by the by the world right now that's coming and by the governments of this world and the local governments of this world and the health officials and all kinds of people now that are coming and 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 there's just this pressure coming down on us now, and we're shaken. They were shaken, and they were t- being, and, and and they went into a room and they prayed. They did what the church has always done, and sadly, we haven't done this much in this age and this generation. I dare to say, I don't know many people anymore. We never hear about the saints of old. We never hear about people praying much anymore. But I tell you what, we're about to need prayer, and it's going to drive us to prayer. And when they came back together and they prayed, the Bible says, then God shook them and that's what needs to happen now and they said oh God sovereign God that you would fill us with your spirit again so that we can have courage to go back out to this place and do what we're called to do and I don't know about you but that's why we're having a prayer meeting tomorrow is because you need to be shaken by God. You've been shaken right now by the world, and you're terrified, and you're weak, and you're afraid, and you don't know what to do. I'm talking about me and a lot of other pastors. Well, I'll tell you what, we're going to come get shaken by God, and we're going to see God for who He is. And then maybe we'll be able to go back out and touch this world and let him reach through our hands and touch a generation and heal them in the name of Christ. Amen? And that needs to happen desperately because the hour is so late. So those messages are coming. But today, that's not the message for today. I promised last week I would talk about the mark of the beast, and that's what we're going to talk about today. And so if you got your Bibles, I'd like for you to turn to Revelation 13, and I'll give you a few minutes to do that. I think they'll have it on the screen as well. We're going to talk about the mark of the beast. And let me pray one more time because I need prayer on this message. Uh, because it's, uh, we're, we want to see the... the, the how many times... We, we, often we look at the physical and we miss the spiritual, right? We get so caught up. In the, isn't that what they did with the first coming of the Lord? I mean, they got so in a tizzy, and they, they, they you know, and, and, and that's what we do with, with Sabbath days and all kind of thing. We miss that the fulfillment is, like Christ, we, we miss the deeper truth. Christ is your Sabbath. Christ is your Sabbath. You have an eternal Sabbath now. Come unto me, all you that are labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You forever have a Sabbath, and, 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 and we, we get so on the day we're fighting. Is it Saturday? Is it Sunday? And we're fighting, and we miss the whole. It's great to keep a concept of a day of the week. We should do that, but we miss the deeper meaning, and I, I think that's what we're doing sometimes with the mark of the beast, and I want to talk about you. Yes, there's a physical mark coming, but I want to show you that some of you may be marked now already. By either by God or by, by, uh, the, by the beast system. And so we want to, uh, we want to uh, look at this and we want to understand the deep, be deeper truth here and the deeper implication here of what's really going on. So, Father, we love you. We thank you, God, for your word, and we thank you for your promises, dear God. I can't preach without your help. God, I don't want to just come and give sermons anymore. I don't want to just read things off of a page, God. Your Word are spirit and they are life. And God, unless, you, uh, unless your Word comes and, and it's the truth of your Word and it's backed by the power of the Spirit, God, uh, then, then it's really futile. God, you spoke in the beginning to a world in chaos and void, God, and you, you spoke the Word. And God, the Spirit caused life to come. And Lord, I pray... I just pray, God, that while there's still a little bit of time left, that, God, that that, that people would begin to take seriously your word. I pray, God, that they would come to know your truth, God, and that they would come out of darkness and into the light while there's still time. I pray, God, that they would hear one more time, God, another preacher stand in a pulpit like Noah did of old and warn and warn that judgment is already here. It's already here. And God, that it's the 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 day of uh, the the day is swiftly approaching, when, when God the ark of safety is going to be closed and shut up. And today is the day of salvation. And God, if anybody can hear my voice, God, let him heed the warning today. God, let him heed, Lord, and and come to the saving knowledge and saving truth of Jesus Christ. God, Lord, it's not a day to play games. It's not a gay day to be religious. It is a day to know. Christ and Christ alone, God. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. And God, we just thank you. We give you the praise and the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. The Mark of the Beast. Revelation 13, starting at verse 15, it says, And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and calls that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And he causeth all, both men, great, rich, poor, free, bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell, save that he have the mark and the name of the beast and the number of his name. Here is the wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of man And his number is six hundred three score and six or six, six, six. So we're talking about an end time event when the entire world begins to spin out of control. I don't know if it's a financial meltdown that causes this. I don't know if it's a military confrontation, maybe a pestilence, who knows? Whatever it is that uh, causes this to happen, men's hearts will begin to so fail them in fear that there comes a cry for a one-world government, and we're seeing the signs and the cracking and the shaking and already uh, seeing these things begin to line up. We must have a one-world government, they'll say. We must have a leader that leads because we can't find a leader anywhere. We must have this leader that comes forth, and we know what the Scriptures call that leader. They call him the Antichrist, and he will come on the scene, and he will be seeming like a peaceful man yet in the inside, of him he is a man that is not peaceful at all he's a man that is demonic and filled with satan himself and we'll see this man come on the stage very very soon and the bible says he will cause people on the earth to receive a mark on their forehead or on their right hand and he's saying you'll either comply with our system or you'll starve to death You'll either comply, and years ago we thought this was far-fetched, but I don't think too many people are thinking it's quite so far-fetched as we're being forced even now to do things we don't want to do. Right? And people have spent a lot of time over the years worrying about what this is going to be. Some of you may be worried about what this is right now and worried about what. But I want you to understand that you don't have to be worried today. You don't have to worry. You don't have to fear. And I'm going to show you that in just a little while. If you belong to God, you are His. And I'm telling you what He's got you in the palm of His hand. And you are secure as you have ever been secure. Amen? Hallelujah. So let's go back to the underst- the beginning and let's understand what this is all about and to understand what it's all about. I've been going all the way back to Genesis an awful lot because I think that's, it just tells us the beginning. It tells us where everything occurred and what happened and what is happening. And in order to go back and find out what this mark is all about, we need to go back to the beginning and see what occurred there. And, and, and when we see this, we see Satan exalting himself against the knowledge of God. That's why we sing a song, I saw Satan fall like lightning. Because he exalted himself against the knowledge of God. And the Bible says he was disposed. The Bible says he came down. He was cast out and came down into the Garden of Eden and took that which God had created in his own image. Mankind in the image of God, the Bible says. And he came down into that garden and he sowed something into the people of uh, of God. He sowed something into mankind to mar the image of God, to change. The image of God to, to cause him to, to, to cause this image to come into this man and to really kind of live, I would say, right? To give life to this new image, an image that is not God created you to bear his image. Now we have the thief coming down and, and causing another image to be formed that is not like the image of God and to give life to the image and cause it to fill the earth. And he said, here's what the image is like. You want to know what the image is like? You can be like God. You can choose what you want and you think is right. Young person, you don't need this book. If it tells you that something you don't like in the pages of this book, you can decide for yourself what is true. You don't have to listen to what it says. You can change it if you want to. God still loves you. And He changed the image. He sowed a seed. And He calls mankind to believe and fall for a lie out of this flood coming out of His mouth. This flood of deception. This flood of false promises. These floods of untruths that He sowed. And He's sowing that into many of you right now. Because this world is falling for stuff that is not in this book and they call themselves Christian. And they're going to find out very soon when they stand before the throne of God and they're going to find out very soon when the world starts crumbling and shaking more than it's shaking now that they have nothing to stand on. Because self won't do it. And human reasoning won't do it. And false love won't do it. And false acceptance won't do it. And feeling good about yourself is not going to cut it in the day ahead. And Dr. Field telling you everything is all right. And everybody telling you your best life is now is not going to stand in the coming storm. And that's what Satan did. Came down in the garden. He said, you can be as God. You don't have to be under God. You don't have to be under the authority of the Scripture. You can pick and choose the part you like. You can form your own religion if you don't like the one. Start a new church. You want to listen to that guy down there? Start a new one and change it up a little bit. Did God really say? Did God really say sin is sin? Did God really say that's wrong? Did God really say I have to love my brother? I don't care. You don't know what they did to me. I can hate them if I want to. I might to speak to that person across the row. Did God really say? And I'm passionate, folks. I ain't mad, but I am passionate because I'm sick of Christians. I'm sick of my own heart. Believing the lie and the flood and the filth coming out of Satan's mouth that goes against the knowledge of truth. And that's what He sowed into us. It's called the sin nature and it's called the original sin. I can be as God. I can decide. I can decide good and evil. I can decide what I want to take in here and what I want to cut out of here. I can decide. I get to form my own thinking. I get to think for myself. And that is what he came down. And that's the image he came down and sowed into, into mankind. You can chart your own destiny. That, 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 that you, you, can, you can be your own man. You can be your own woman. It doesn't matter what the scripture says. And that's what is in our nature. And that's what we naturally do now and what we like. Live any way you want and you'll never suffer the consequences. Oh, isn't that a good religion? Do anything you want and never suffer the consequences. I wish I could sing it. Steve Hill in the Browns River. Hush, little sinner, don't you cry. Oh man, go listen to it. It'll put the fear of the Lord in you. As Satan's going to sing you a lullaby. He's going to tell you it's okay to run and fool around and play. Singing you a lullaby, singing you something to put you to sleep, to cause you to come over away from the knowledge of God and into your own thinking. Having your mind satiated and sedated by the world and the world system and the world thinking and saying you'll not suffer the consequences for it. It's an absolute lie and I wouldn't be much of a man and definitely much of a minister of the gospel if I didn't stand up here and tell you regardless of how harsh you think it sounds. This is love, my friend. I don't care what the world tells you. This is love that you're hearing from this pulpit. And it's love that you're hearing from the Word of God today. Now, 666 is ascribed to man. That's what it means. If you know your Bible numerology, 6 stands for fallen man. That's what it is. Seven is God. Three is the Trinity and God. And you see these numbers in the Bible that we see. Twelve is government. We see twelve apostles. We see uh, twenty-four elders, twelve and twelve. We see this. We see these numbers in the Bible, in the Word of God, that mean something and they're ascribed. And six is ascribed to man. And it's really what it is, is it is a Trinity. It is an unholy Trinity that is finally formed in the earth that started way back in the garden with man and finds it its culmination now in a man that literally goes into a temple. Now, 666, spirit, soul, and body now filled with Satan himself and stands in the temple of God and declares himself, worship me, I am God. And the world's ready for him. Because if you're not marked with the mark of God, trust me, you have this fallen nature in you and you have this fallen thinking in you and you have this fallen nature that says, save my life at all costs, save myself at all costs, do anything at all costs, and you're following the thinking of the world and you're already ready for the man. You don't have to be marked here because you're already ready for him when he comes on the scene because your thinking and your makeup and your character and everything is right in line with him. Amen? Boy, I don't get a big amen, but it's true. And all of humanity will agree that this man can be God. He can be God. And and here it's nothing for them to receive on their mark or their forehead or their hand because they've already agreed with it long before the mark ever comes. They've already agreed with this in their fallen thinking and in their falling theology. Now the right hand always represents the hand of power. That's That's what it means in Scripture. My right hand is not so short that it cannot save. That's talking about Jesus. He is the right hand of power. The right hand of authority and power. That's, your, that's that's the ultimate strength and remember Jesus is at the right hand of the Father where he lives to ever make intercession from us Stand, Christ stands at the right hand of the poor to strengthen them and to lift them up the Bible says he stands at the right hand of strength where we are reaching and what we are ascribing to to obtain that's what it means whatever you're reaching for is what the right hand means if you're reaching for the world that's what you're ascribing to it's teachings it's doctrines it's likes it's dislikes it's money it's power it's wealth it's fame if that's what you're ascribing to in your heart if that's what you're reaching for in your fallen nature that's what you're going to get whatever you're reaching for with the right hand of power is what you're on your right hand you're marked okay quit thinking of a day you're already marked it's coming, but you're already marked if you're ascribing and reaching for the things of this world. You're reaching with the strength and the heart, a strong arm of power. And, and what you're ascribing to reach for, you will obtain. You cannot serve two masters. Either you'll worship the one and despise the other one, or, you'll, or you'll, you're going to throw your lot in. You can't worship both God and mammon, Right? Whatever you set your hand to do, you'll do it. Look at this world. We can build a tower and we can be like God, Margaret. We can reach the heights of heaven. We can do anything, right? And that's exactly what mankind does is they set their hand to do something, the right hand, and they obtain it and they receive it. And so it would be natural to receive that mark, the Bible says, on our right hand because the pursuit of has already been in line with the thinking of Satan himself who sowed that into mankind in the garden. You can think for yourself. You can do as yourself. You can be God yourself. Matthew 24 says this, For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, they were marrying, they were giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. Now eating and drinking is not bad, but what he's talking about is a preoccupation with security. And to be honest, that's all I see people worried about right now. A preoccupation with security, uh, uh, pretending all is well. That's what's probably going to happen soon. They're convinced that no, there's no God, there's no judgment, there's no hell, and that's what you see them. If we could just Get this, we'd be safe. If we could just get that, we'd be safe. If we could just do this, we'd be safe. Preoccupation with self, but there is no worry about the judgment. There's no worry about hell. You start talking to people about eternal life. If we had the passion to, to 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 preach the gospel as we have the passion to get stuff out about COVID right now, that's all I can see. Ninety nine percent of my television is talking about the gospel of COVID. If we had people worrying about the injection they need from Calvary. That's an, uh, that's an ejection that'll get rid of the sin in my life. Then we would win the world for Jesus. Amen? Preoccupation with, with this. And, 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 and no, uh, no worry about God coming. No worry about judgment. No worry about hell coming. Just eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. And even if there is an acknowledgement somewhere, a little bit in the people of God, it comes with a scoffing. And that's what the Bible says in Second Peter 3. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, Why? They're walking after their own lust. In other words, they're given to this pursuit of self as it is. And they're saying because they're given to self now and they want everything now, they're saying, where is the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. You know what this scripture tells me? These people have knowledge of the scripture. These people know about the scripture of God, yet they're given to their pursuit of Self. and yet because of that they put off the coming of judgment and they put off the coming of the Lord and anytime you have a serious subject like this that comes up they scoff and say oh yeah we've heard this again this guy preaches that all the time when's he going to shut up When is he going to move to something else let's just move on but I'm here to tell you folks if you're scoffing you better be on dangerous ground know you're on dangerous ground It says there's a scorning in those who walk after their own lust. You know why you're scorning? Because you walk after your own lust. The lust of the flesh is what you're concerned about. The lust of the eye. And the pride of life. And here's what they say. The the work of God coming to church on Sunday is not priority. It's just not priority. Reading the Word of God is just not priority. Right? Come on. It's just not priority. Hurry, i got to have a 10-minute sermon and tick the box and get me out of here. And I definitely don't want to hear a man scream at me. The reason I'm screaming is because I know that I know that I know that I know in my spirit the hour is late. And you better get on board quick. And so they scoff and they're not reaching out their hand to the work of God, and they say, where is the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. And folks, uh, it's a type of person who sits here today and says, oh no, not another message about the coming of Christ. They've been preaching this for 2,000 years, and He's not come yet. And, 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 And that's the mentality. But 2 Thessalonians 2, 3 says that the day, the day of Christ shall not come except there be a falling away first. And I believe we're here. People who sit in church and who have sat in church you're, that we know, but never embraced the work of God, didn't want to go to hell, but didn't want to live for heaven either, didn't want the cross, for, wanted the cross for, for redemption, but did not want the cross for a lifestyle. Didn't want to go any deeper like I preached on last week. Obviously you came back, so I hope you are those people who want to go deeper. Who signed your life off to God. But I'm telling you, the other kind of not going deeper will not keep you in the coming storm that we're headed into, folks. When things get tough in the last days, according to this book, they fell away to another reasoning. They gave their mind and their thinking over, marked in their minds, marked in their foreheads with another reasoning that just like in the garden, they begin to think for themselves. And and it's important to know what they fell away from and fell away to. They fall to another reasoning, folks, outside of truth. And the Bible tells us in Joel 3.14, and this is happening right now, and I can't scream it loud enough. I hope I'll keep some of your attention that look like you're nodding off, look like you're disinterested or stayed up too late. Last night, or something, but here's what Joel says there are multitudes upon multitudes that are being corralled and led to the valley of decision in the last days, and that's where we're at right now, folks. We are being corralled and taken by God, by God Himself, to a valley where you are going to have to decide whose side you want to be on. Do you want to stand with God in this last hour, or are you going to be marked by the enemy? And God's leading the armies of the world into this reckoning place where they're going to have to decide something. And I'm telling you, the ticking on the top is getting closer. The hourglass sand is falling out and there's not much time left, folks. There's not much time to decide. And He is bringing multitudes, the whole world, multitudes upon multitudes into the valley of decision. I don't make this up. This isn't fun for me. This is what your Bible says. You either believe it or you don't. You even throw it out and tell God he's an idiot, or you receive it, right? He's either the Lord of all, he's a lunatic, or he's the greatest liar in the world. But you got to decide. And there are multitudes upon multitudes in this place of decision. They haven't made this decision yet. And time is running out. How deep will I go with God? Will I go all the way? Or will I be the God of my own life? Will I take the ownership of my own life? How deep will I go? How much of my life can He rule? How much will I let Him rule? Can He rule my decision about my career? Can He rule my, my decision about college or not? Can He rule my decision about working where I want to work or not work? Can He rule my decision about where we buy a house? Can He rule my decision about who I marry, young person? Maybe the guy you're with right now, he needs to telling you you need to tell that guy to hit the road jack and don't you come back but you love that guy and yourself more than you love God and now you're coming down into the valley of decision you got to make a choice maybe that career is taking you away from God and all that overtime and you justify it because my family needs Nikes and polo shirts but while they go to hell and you go to hell sir in the meantime as well will it be worth it Will it be worth it when the will it be worth living for a moment of pleasure that's going to be fleeting and burn and go away versus that which is eternal and forever? Well, Esau thought it was. Esau had access to the promise of God. He was he he could have said, "Abraham my father, I have the promise of Abraham. It's coming down to me. I have the promises they've been given to me. He could, have, he could have had that. And yet the Bible says he had to make a choice. And that's where God's bringing you folks today. Young and old. He's bringing you into the valley of decision. To make a choice. To make a choice today. Esau had a choice. You've got access to the promise of God. Are you going to forfeit it? Are you going to forfeit it for an iPhone? Are you going to forfeit it for a job? Are you going to forfeit it for college? Are you going to forfeit it for a bowl of soup that's not worth a thing? Versus the life of God lived out inside of you. Esau had a choice to make eternal promises or live for today. Lose everything now and gain everything in the future, or live for today and it be gone in the future. That was his choice. That's what he and he traded off the life of Christ, the promise that could have been his through Abraham, Isaac, and Esau, but it went through Jacob because he forfeited the line and the life of Christ that could have flowed through him. And the reason is he held no value in Christ. And the reason you would hang on to this world is pure and simple. You love the world more than you love God. And friendship with the world is enmity with God. You're an enemy of God. I'm just going to start telling it like it is. Because I don't know who's got tomorrow in here and I know there's some game players in this room. And he held no value to the life of Christ. And and it was the natural to trade it off. It became natural to trade off the the life of Christ for a bowl of soup. For some, it's nothing to trade off God. It's nothing to trade off the promises of God. It's just natural to give it up and say, God, who's God? We were in England. If you want to know where we're going, we were passing out tracts. This is years ago. If you want to know where America and our children and we're headed, if we don't turn it around soon, we were out in the streets. And you could not witness in that place. You would hand out tracts and they would scoff and they would laugh at it. A place where the heritage of God is so thick. A place where William Booth and many people in that place served God just like they did in America. And they would look at it and say, God, God, who is God? I don't want your God. I want my money and I want my inheritance and i want to be free i want to be free to go do what i want to do i want to be free to have my Sundays i want to be free to have my Wednesdays i want to be free i don't want anybody to i don't want the man restricting me and telling me what to do the god man and i'm going to tell you what god hated this image of esau in the earth this is why this verse always confused me jacob i have loved and esau i have hated And I hated Esau, Malachi says, and laid his mountains and his heritage to waste. You know why he hated it? He hated the image that he was trying to represent of I'm the seed of Abraham and yet I'm a compromised man. I'm the seed of Abraham yet I love the flesh. And he said I hate that. I hate that. With a passion I hate a man trying to say that's me in the midst of a world. And I'm telling you God is bringing people into the valley of decision today. You better sign the writes off of your life to God that's what he loves is that you bear the image and likeness of God and it lines up with this book and not your flesh and what you want to do and so he said I hated this image of God that this man portrays in the earth the self focused selfish carnal man who claims to be the image of God And we got a lot of that going on, folks. Selfish, carnal, and don't... Oh, you can't tell... Politically correct, politically correct, politically correct. We're going to call the politically correct please. You've hurt my feelings. And the only feelings, as I said last week, that we don't care about hurting are God's. The mark of owning neither the presence of God nor the promises of God was on this man. And that's on a lot of people who call themselves Christians today. The the, the mark of owning neither the presence of God, they don't own the presence of God on them, nor the promise of God was on him. He was marked. This man was marked by God. Marked. Philippians 3, 18 says, For many walk of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that you are enemies of the cross. Your enemies of the cross, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. They mind earthly things. Hear me, people. Please hear me. Listen, Genesis 4, you want to see the first marked man? Does anybody even care? Do you want to see the first marked man in the Bible? Amen. Two of you. I'll show those two, the first marked man. The others can be dismissed or you can stay. But listen to what it says. The first marked man in the Bible was a man in verse 15. And it says, And the Lord set a mark upon Cain. You want to know? Why? Because he willfully brought God less than what he knew God required. You don't think it matters? You don't think I can call myself Christian and then live any way I want to? No, folks, this isn't a game. This isn't, we, we hope we get this right. This is life and death. There's a lot of other things in this world that we can play around with. This is life and death right here. This is eternity that we're dealing with. This is, this is not I'll kind of think about this when I get ready and maybe I'll tick the box for salvation. Do you understand if you don't know Christ today, you're lost, you're His enemy, and you're on your way to hell? That place nobody wants to believe in anymore? Even though the nation that forgets God is turned into hell and you believe that? And it is. It's being turned into hell right now. And I'm telling you folks, there is a place. And the first mark man willfully brought God less than what he knew God required. And there are things God is asking of you right this second, but you're not willing to put them away. And I hope the finger of God is pressing against your chest and your heart and your soul right now and putting His mark on that thing that you know He's asking you to give up and get rid of. Unless you think, I don't know about that. I loved pornography more than life itself. I loved it. And I've had the finger of God, I had the loving finger of God for years and years and years be be long-suffering with me. But I also know what it's like to play around and have the the, the finger press into my chest and say, you're on dangerous ground. And you're going to have to choose me or this. You want to be the God of your own life and circumvent God's will. That's basically what we want today. We want to make our own God. We want to bring Him down to our level. We want to create our own way to God and our own way to salvation. We want to justify our practices and our relationships. And we want to try to change the truth of God and, 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 and bring ourselves to a place of less than God requires. And God put a mark on Cain. And Cain became, because of that, he became an unsatisfied wanderer. And that's where a lot of people are today. They're marked to a life of endless searching and never finding that which satisfies. A few years ago in Christianity, before we just decided we didn't want God anymore and didn't want to go to church... In America. There was a time when, like, the revivals, the Pentecostal revival, the charismatic renewal, and all these things were going on. And people were going. The one thing that bothered me though was people were going from they would they would go because they wanted God so desperately. They would go all the way to Florida or they would go all the way across the country to try to find a move of God. When in the fact is, God was there all along. He's with us right here. He lives inside of us. You don't have to travel to this place or that place or there or here. He's with us now. He lives inside. But all of these people, because like Cain, they won't give him what really they need to give him and make God the true God of their life who satisfies, they're marked constantly going around trying to find something that satisfies and falling short. You know why they do? Because if they found that thing that satisfied, it would be their God and it would be an idol. And God is saying, There will be no God outside of me, and there is nothing that satisfies outside of me, and there is no life outside of me and there is no truth outside of me so come to me i'm the one you need amen and i want you and i'll tell you what it's like it's like somebody on the titanic after the titanic has hit the iceberg and they're up on the higher deck in the room and saying hot diggity dog Look what I've got and grasping on to a room with the gold faucets, better bedding than the one I got downstairs. Oh, this is absolutely phenomenal. This is absolutely wonderful. And they're wanting something on a ship that is about to go into the waters. And that's how foolish you are, sir, ma'am, child. Grasping on to something of the world when it's already hit a Titanic. It's already going down. And the things of this world are going to burn. They're going to perish you will never find fulfillment in the things of this world john 2 says the world passes away the world passes away and the lust of this world is passing away That means everything that satisfies the flesh, that which delights the eyes, and that gives pride to the human heart, is passing away. Even if I make that woman an idol, or I make him an idol, or I make my other son an idol, even they're passing away. But the man or woman who chooses to say, not my will, but thine be done. They will survive and they will live. They will hang on to the true, pro- they'll have the promises of God. And the people of the opening text, the Bible says, I'm almost ready to close. The people of the opening text receive a mark because that is where their minds were and that is where their strength was given. They received a mark because that's where their mind, their reasoning was in the thinking of the world. It was in something other. It was in line with Satan. And their strength was given to, I'm going to get all I can of this world. I'm going to attain everything I can. All the riches, all the wealth, all the power, all the fortune, all the fame. And I'm reaching to where that is. And they failed to understand the seductive power of human reasoning once it combines with the seduction of evil. There's no, no. When you combine this human reasoning with the power of evil and Satan, there is nowhere you can't be led. Yeah, unless you're a very proud person You'll find that out. There is nowhere you can't be led by your own reasoning and by the evil that's behind it, that gets on board with it. And that's why we're going to have a whole group of people that are going to blind themselves. And their are thinking right now, is erratic, it's it's, it's it's just crazy, it's just confusion, and I'm going to show you why. And it's leading them to a bad end. It's leading to them to a place where they're going to think they can battle themselves against God Almighty and worship a man, a man. Mankind has truly now become God. Right? And let me tell you where it leads you, really. Matthew tells it, Jesus tells it like that. This, they knew not until the flood came and took them all away. You want to find out where your reasoning is? Will lead you, and this mark on your mind's gonna lead you in this strong hand of reaching for the things that you shouldn't reach. you you know? Oh, when the last days are here, I'll straighten up, I'll put away these things, and I'll get right. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and listen, oh yeah, and they knew not until the flood came and took them away. And they knew not until the flood came and took them away, and they knew not until the flood came and took them away. Noah, a preacher of righteousness, is doing exactly what I'm doing right here, standing before multitudes in his day. Justice was coming. Folks, if you don't know it, there's judgment on your nation right now. Right now. Right now. Right now. There is judgment on this land. And and he's standing before the multitudes and he's saying, it's going to get worse. Justice is coming. You must get right with God. You must turn. You must let go of the things of this world. You must get into the place of of safety. And what he was implying is, leave the pursuits of this world and come into the building that God is being uh, ridiculed by man for building. Did you hear me? Because this is going to cost you something in the days ahead. Leave the pursuits of the world. Have you all seen that idiot down there building what he calls is the house of God? Have you all seen that idiot building the thing that he says is salvation for the whole world? Have you heard those kooks in that church down there that say there's one narrow way to God through a man called Jesus Christ? They're idiots. They're narrow-minded bigots is what they are. And you're standing there, that's my church. That's my screaming pastor. Why can't he just get on board and just get easy sermons? Why can't he just get along with the crowd and just do what everybody else does? And, 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 and now if you choose to go over into that with Noah crowd, you're going to be laughed at, made fun of. What an idiot. You're an idiot too? Because the world turns on its own in just a few split seconds, right? And they knew not until the flood came and took them away. Let me tell you about another flood that's coming in the last days as I close. Revelation 12 tells us that Satan was cast down to the earth. And it tells us that out of his mouth is going to come a a water as a flood. Go home and read it. It says, one day this water is going to come out of his mouth again. And it's a combination, what it is, is a combination of threat. He's going to threaten you, he's going to promise you things, and it's going to come with deception as well. It just all kinds of confusion. Like we've got all kinds of confusion. I mean, one day wear a mask, one day don't wear a mask, one day get injured, one day don't get injured, one day go walk, one day the sky's blue, one day it's green, one day don't do this, one day don't do that. And I mean, confusion, where does confusion come from? It sure doesn't come from God. And God, there's confusion. This guy claims to be himself to be God and dirty water is coming from his mouth. The Bible says dirty water, dirty confusion is going to start coming and he deceives multitudes in the earth by this flood at this specific time yet there's this progression of lawlessness that is going on. And the Bible says this power is already at work in 2 Thessalonians two seven. It says the coming of this lawless one is already at work right now even, the Bible says. It doesn't even seem to be a quest for truth anymore. In the land. And that's what is happening. And the Bible tells us during this time, listen to me. So you got this this this, this flood that's going to start coming. You got this confusion that's going to start coming out of the mouth of Satan, this other reasoning to believe, these lies and other reasoning that are going to believe. And then the Bible says something interesting. Two will be in the field, and one will be taken, and the other one will be left. Two will be grinding in the mill and one will be taken and the other one will be left. You know what that tells me? Two will be down there and this flood of filth are going to be coming out of the mouth to try to confuse and draw you away into thinking of your own. And one guy is going to be in the mill working right next to you. And he's going to say, you know what? I believe this book. I am going with God. And God is going to reach down to that man and place him in his hand of safety. And nobody can pluck him from his hand. Two will be grinding at the mill and one will decide I'm going deeper than God. Two will be doing this and two will be doing that and one will stay with the course of this world and the other one will go with God and be marked with God. Amen? Because they make an inner choice. Listen to what Hebrews says. It says, These all died in the faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off. And they were persuaded of them. And they embraced them and confessed them. They were strangers and pilgrims of this earth. That's the two. One of them's gonna embrace this. One of them's gonna be safely and secure in the hand of God. One of them sees the promise afar off. Hey, but they're fixing to kill you if you don't do. It. Hey, you're fixing to lose your job if you don't do it. so what? I've seen a city whose builder and maker is our God. Let them blow on this little stick house. I've got a mansion over in glory. Amen? They were persuaded of them, they embraced them, and they confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims in the earth. For they that saw it say such things declare plainly that they seek a country, they seek a tr- country. And truly if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came, they might have had the opportunity to have returned. But now they desire an even better country. that is a heavenly one. Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared for them a city. Just like Cain and Abel, two are in the meal together. And C- Abel is taken. And Cain is left there with his less than sacrifice. Left there in that place with a sacrifice that is unacceptable. Esau and Jacob two men that are there. And the Bible says one values the values of God. One wants the inheritance of God. And Jacob is taken. You're my son. Israel. Nobody can touch you. And Esau is left. My Friend, that's exactly what is happening today. We're being drawn together into the valley of decision, and it's time you make a choice. Who are you going to serve? If Baal be God, serve him. But if God is God, serve him. Amen. Hallelujah. And folks, I'm going to tell you what. I'm hearing people, and I see it, and it's saddens to me. I've got an inner groaning. I used to love this world, but I hate it. The old song, and I don't feel at home in this world anymore. He used to say foolish things like, well, I want to get married one day, and I have a house, and I don't want God to come today. I got news for you. I wish He'd come right this second. Right this second, I wish He would come. And the only reason that He does it is because like Paul, Paul said, I would rather go there I'd rather go right now, but it's better for you if I stay. And that's the only reason we're here, folks. That's the only reason those marked with the mark of God. We're here for a specific reason. We are here because planet Earth is going to perish, and it's marching to its own death and destruction right now. And we are the people left here to tell people what is really going on and to warn people of their destruction and to tell them there's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof is destruction. And there's another way, and his name is Jesus Christ, and he loves you, and he's welcoming you into the family of God with open arms. And whosoever will, let him come and let him drink freely of this water of life. Amen. Yes. Hallelujah. I know this is long, but this is it. Ezekiel 9. You know, eternity's long, isn't it? This won't feel so long. When you're either in heaven or hell. Eternity won't seem. This little carved out place called time right now really won't seem that anxious. So, so God is about to judge His own city. These are for those who say, Oh, God will never judge America because our forefathers were great Christians. We've been a great nation that have sent Bibles all over the world and missionaries. We did do great things, and I hope we repent and return to those great things. But should we not return to those great things? We have plenty of places in the Bible. This is his own city that he loves called Jerusalem, folks, and he is about to judge it in Ezekiel 9, and I want you to hear what he says. He, he, he uh, Most of them there says uh, it's about to happen suddenly like it did with Noah at a time when they don't think, and most chose to put it off the day, just like some of you now, as you you've heard over and over. Judgment's coming. Oh man, the world's going to progress and get worse. Oh, God's coming. The Lord is going to come one day soon. It's going to be the last call. It's going to be the last time we're in church. And you scoff and you laugh and you continue to go after your lust. And that's what these people did in Jerusalem. They had been warned. Judgment's coming. They didn't listen to the prophets. They stoned them. They cast them off. I don't want to hear it. I can change and get a better internet preacher because the one I'm listening to now is scaring me and telling me a lot of things. I don't. He's wrecking my style and I just really we don't want my style cramped. I'd rather feel good about myself, so I'm going to find somebody else to listen to because I really don't want to hear truth today. And so, it, But these people did the same thing, and most chose to put off the day. They said it will never happen. It will never happen in our lifetime. Oh, it's going to happen, but that will be on our children. It won't happen to us, and that's the kind of thinking and philosophy they had. But here's what it said. Why you'd want to put that off on your children, I don't know, but that seems to be the way, how selfish we are now. We'll spend all the money and our children's money in oblivion, right? And who cares because we won't be here. I mean, that seems to be the mentality today, you know. Ezekiel 9, 3 says, And the glory of the God of Israel was gone up from the cherub, whereupon he was to the threshold of the house. And he called the man clothed in linen, which had the rider's ink horn, by his side. Don't tune me out. This is going to get good. Just because it's long doesn't mean it's not going to end well. And the Lord said unto him, Go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem. Remember? he's, He's about to judge his city. But watch what he does beforehand. You can substitute the word Brookside or Gardendale or Warrior or wherever you live, Adamsville. So so, so the Lord said, go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Brookside, and set a mark upon the foreheads of the men that sigh and cry for all the abominations that are to be done in the midst thereof. And to the others, He said, in mine hearing, go after Him through the city and smite. Let not your eyes spare, neither have you pity. Slay utterly the old and the young. Some of you people don't like this about reading about your God. But you need to know your God. Amen? Listen to it. Listen to what he says. And some of you act like this is not in the Bible. And you just take this and try to cut it out. But listen to what he says. Slay utterly the old and the young, both the maids and the little children and the women. But come not near any upon whom is the mark, and begin at my sanctuary. And then they began at the ancient men which were before the house. And he said unto them, Defile the house, and fill the courts with the slain. Go ye forth. And they went forth, and they slew in the city. And it came to pass while they were slaying them, and I was left, that I fell upon my face, and I cried and said, O Lord God, will Thou destroy all the residue of Israel in the pouring out of the fury upon Jerusalem? Then said He unto me, The iniquity of the house of Israel and Judah is exceedingly great, and the land is full of blood, and the city full of perverseness. Sounds like somewhere I live for they say the Lord hath forsaken the earth and the Lord seeth not or the Lord is not aware of what we are doing verse 10 and as for me also mine eye shall not spare neither will I have pity but I will recompense their way upon their head and behold the man clothed with linen which had tad the inkhorn by his side reported the matter saying I have done as you have commanded me what are we talking about God was about to judge Jerusalem but before he could he said I have a man with a pen and an ink horn he said go in that place before judgment comes set a mark upon their forehead remember the mark in the book of Revelation was on the forehead and upon the right hand he says set a mark on the forehead of all the men and women in that city that sigh and cry for the abominations that are about to be done in the midst set a mark upon those who have the value system in line with the value system of God set a mark on those who have the value system not of the world but they are intertwined with the value of almighty God whose value system is not intertwined there and folks set the mark on theirs they have an inner awareness that they don't belong in this world I don't belong in this world anymore I don't live here my home is not here and he said on those people set a mark because I'm going to come through and I'm going to destroy everything but they're going to be safe And here's what we come down to when we say everybody's panicking and freaking, the mark of the beast, the mark of the beast, the mark of the beast. Here's what I'm going to leave you with great news tonight in today in closing. God knows His own. And they are already marked. He's already sent into the place. And marked us on our foreheads and sealed us in the hands of the Father. And the devil can send a flood with his mouth of confusion and reasoning and broken promises, and he's able to do that. But I'm telling you, God is able to keep, listen to what the scripture says. He is able to keep that which I've entrusted him against the day. Dear God, we'll do, hey, that just, so last week we signed the rights of our life. How about we sign our future and ask our future to be entrusted to Him today? How, how, how about today we say, God, your word says, your word says that, that that I have believed, Paul said, and I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that, that, my soul, which which I have entrusted to him. Against today, if you put your soul in his hands last week and he became the master and owner of your life, I believe we're marked, amen, I believe we're marked with a seal guaranteeing our inheritance into the kingdom of God. And when he sends a, domin- a, 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 a horde of demons to convince you that you should receive a mark, you're not going to do it. And by the way, I'm planning on taking the first flight out of here anyway. <laughs> it's called the rapture and I'm taking out. I'm taking flight. And I'm saying, even so, come Lord Jesus. Amen. So, Father, we love you. We thank you, God, for your word. We thank you for your promises. We thank you that we don't have to worry about the things we're hearing because we're at, we are marked. And, God, nobody can touch us. Nobody can declare what you've declared. You told Peter, hey, don't call anything that I've called clean, common, or unclean. And, God, that's what you're telling us today. We are marked. Nobody can touch us. And Lord, we are children of the living God. The mark of God is on us. And, and 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 Lord, just like you commanded Ezekiel to go through the city, but do not touch up those upon which the mark of God is upon. You know who you've marked. You know, God, I know that the mark of God is on my heart. I know that I'm a new creation in Christ, and old things have been passed away, and everything has become new. And so I know that. So so we say in closing. So so pastor, okay, we're marked. That's good. But what if I can't buy and sell? What if that? What if I lose my job because? of this before the rapture. What if all these things happen? What's going to happen to me? I'll tell you what's going to happen. He's going to do what he's always done with this church. He's going to miraculously supply. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. You say, how? I'll say, well, he took a few fish and a couple of loaves and he fed over 5,000. He, 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 one time, he took 43 million people into a wilderness for 40 years and wrestled Their clothes and their shoes never wore out. He rained manna down from heaven one time when He needed to. The Lord is going to do whatever He needs to do to miraculously feed, clothe, protect and take care and shield and protect His people. He will do it the same way He has always done it. Thousands upon thousands come into His house and there's going to be bread in the house of Bethlehem again. I'm telling you, there will be churches, there will be places where you can go and you can be fed with the good things of God. We don't need to wring our hands. We don't need to be disappointed. If jobs start disappearing... Or if the nation is in distress, we occupy right now until He comes. And we take it one day at a time, sweet Jesus. And so my altar call is this. We'll be out of here maybe by 1230. My altar call is this. You don't have to be afraid of tomorrow. Fear not, little flock. It is your Father's good will to give you the kingdom.